so for me, I was always worried like, oh, am I going to overtrain my legs? But I felt, I train hard, but I don't think I trained hard enough where I wouldn't be able to recover from that. Hmm. So I think a lot of guys, they get into this thing where, oh, well, Dorian trained four days a week or whatever, you know what I mean? Which is great, but do you train as hard as Dorian? What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Of course, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for all of our Canadian peeps. Today, we're joined by coaches Andrew Berry, Skip Hill, and our very special guest, Nate Spear. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? <laughs> We've got some topics for you today. Um, we're going to start out talking about... Uh, the and I use the term best the the best twelve week cut cycle, you know, based off of all of our experience through coaching and bodybuilding. And we have a um, a national level guy here who's going to be competing in the next few weeks, so we're going to have to get into that today too. I actually I snagged Nate's picture. Here's a quick little preview. We're going to talk about this today, though, dude. I think this is the best you've ever freaking looked, man. This is this is freaking nuts. I, yeah, yeah. There's I, there's a lot more I could say, but we'll 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 get to that. We'll get to that, and then uh, we are also going to talk about best quad exercise as well. And we're taking listener questions. So to start us out, let's let's talk some gear. Um, best twelve week, and when we say best, your preference. If you're to set up a twelve week cut cycle, uh, any one you any one of you guys are welcome to jump in first. Uh, who wants to who wants to tackle this to begin with? Best twelve week cut in your opinion? Well, Andrew or Nate should take it because if either one of them says whatever <laughs> they're not doing, it's gonna like if Nate says the best twelve, and that's not what Andrew has him doing, that's gonna be funny, and I'm gonna be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, "What the fuck? I'm getting on stage. That's not the best cycle. You told me what to do. What the fuck? Anyway." So it's not necessarily about what Nate is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really think there's a mystery. I mean, it's you have some testosterone, you have some trenbolone, you have some masteron. Towards the end, you probably add some orals like Winstrol or in Skip's case, Anavar and, um, you know, (laughs) Proviron. And and independent if you do well with something like Superdrol, I think you're good, you know, in terms of the anabolics, right? I mean, now depends on what your budget is too. Like if you can afford growth hormone, then absolutely yeah. let's add in some growth hormone. Are we supposed to be going over doses here, or are we just going to keep it general? I think doses would be kind of tricky because it, it, it you yeah. know, it depends on your level of experience. That then we've got as a guy brand. Well, I guess I guess experience plays a role too. You know, if you were to have a guy who's never competed before, would you have him use the same compounds as a guy who's you know been at it for a decade? I got a quick story about this one. I had a younger guy, like really younger guy, um, who was all like, you know, he was going to do his first show. He'd already done one bulk cycle in the past and he uh, was getting ready for a contest. And he's like, all right, I've saved up three grand. Like I'm ready to get some growth hormone. Who's your guy? And I'm like, Oh, dude, like, listen, I was like, I think you should take that $3,000 and go and like put it in the bank or, you know, do you have a car? Like, you know, like you need to save it or spend it on other things like growth hormone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's like, my, my point is that like, you don't need to put the supercharger on it before you even got the four wheels turning, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think your point there was great, Scott, in terms of like levels 
experience because um, because it does differ, you know. Um, what, what do you guys think? Well, I think the piggyback off what you're saying about the growth is I get a lot of younger guys that are like, oh, you know, like, should I run GH? And I'm like, no, <laughs> because like, honestly, I think it's a waste of money at this point. For me, it's like taking a, you know, 2000 Honda Civic and putting $5,000 rims on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, or, you know, if I have for Escalade, then I want to put the rims on it because it actually, you know, goes together well. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that is, you know, the icing on the cake and you already have built a physique from, you know what I mean? The basics. Um, but for me, like, I guess if, if someone's doing a 12 week prep, that's shorter than normal. So my first thought is fat loss, right? <clears throat> so I want to get the person in condition. So, I mean, like Andrew said, like you're still have all those same sort of, uh, supplements like, you know, trend, obviously master on all that kind of good stuff. But I mean, for me, I mean, Andrew definitely turned me on to this too, was the L-carnitine, um, you know, getting the clen going, um, you know, him being, I actually, this, this prep I was using actually albuterol too from the site that you had, Amino Asylum. No kidding. That, that actually worked really well because it <clears throat> gave me almost like cardio made a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Just as far as like my overall oxygen intake. Um, so stuff like that, that's going to make my cardio easier, get my heart rate up, um, sort of, you know, put the fat loss into more effect. You know, I think because that's if I was prepping someone and they want to get ready for a show in 12 weeks, I'm assuming that you know, we're going to push all the way till the end and it's not going to be an easy prep, you know, because 12 weeks isn't ideal for me. I usually like 16, maybe 18. You know what I mean? Well, let me ask you this then, you know, does it have to be a prep? You know, let's say, would it, would it be different? Would you guys set something up different if it were just a guy who wants to say, Hey, listen, I I don't compete, but I'm going on this vacation and I'm going to set this date in 12 weeks. I want to be in the best shape of my absolute life. And, I, you know, I, I want to take some stuff, too. And I'm OK with pushing it a little bit. You know, would, would you use the same techniques then for that guy as a guy who was actually getting on stage? He has said that he basically wants to get into oh, Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I'm, th- I'm looking at it as he's basically said, I want to get into the stage condition look without actually putting on the trunks and getting on stage. So, yeah, I think okay, he's I asking you to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I heard you were starting to go somewhere different. But, yeah, part uh, yeah, of the I podcast think... is you have to actually listen to the question <laughs> thoroughly. It's like a prerequisite, you know, the listening part. So I apologize. It's, go it's ahead. all about what Skip just wants to say. It's all about what you want to, what you want to tell us. <laughs> But no, like he's, he's saying, look, I want you to make me look like an onstage bodybuilder the day, you know, 12 weeks from today. Then I think, yeah, he's asking for everything. He's asking for the full firepower and everything. Um, okay. Because I figure some of our listeners might be thinking to themselves like, hey, I want to do this, but I don't plan on competing. And they, you know, they're looking for advice, too. What, what are your me, thoughts, Skip? Yeah. yeah. Well, here, I'm going to contrast that a little bit. And I know that this is going to feed right into what Andrew's saying because I'm going to make the question fit my answer. But <laughs> but let me ask you this, you guys. And I think the listeners, you know, it's a good question for the listeners, too. If you're going to go on vacation, I'm speaking for myself here. So I'm wondering if anybody else feels the same way. If, I'm, if you're going to go on vacation, you just want to be in great shape. And, and I don't run cycles to go on vacation. But if I were to do that and I want to be in great shape, I wouldn't get retardedly lean because I think that once you get below, like, say, six weeks out, I think, and this is just my opinion, 
I think that most people lose a little bit of like there's more wow factor at the six week, huh. eight week mark because of the combination or the balance of condition and still being really, really full. Yeah. So if I were to go on vacation in really good condition, I wouldn't want to look like shredded at a week out. I would want to look at like I would want to be like six weeks, eight weeks out, because to me, that balance would be. I think it would be a better look, at least at least for me. And I can even think of, of women. I mean, I, sometimes women can get, uh, I got to be careful how I say this. Ugh. Okay, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> women to me are more attractive. I'll use my wife as an example. Far more attractive at that eight-week mark than they are when they get under that six-week mark. So if I were to look down the beach and go and I saw my wife at two weeks out or one week out versus eight weeks out, eight weeks out, I'd be like, oh, I got to hit that. I'm like, oh, shit, I've been with her for 30 years. I can't hit that if she lets me (laughs) versus that two, that one to two week out. Not that it's not attractive, but it's just not it's more drawn. Oh, well, I think we could probably we could all agree because I I know that like I'm not my I'm not the prettiest guy to begin with all right so i know guys i hope you're sitting down everybody at home (laughs) but uh i'm definitely not the prettiest guy to look at when i'm stage ready you know what i mean like stage ready you do not it's not an there are some guys there are some guys it's like god i've worked with some guys it's like god damn you should be a model because they just look better and better the leaner they get but i think for the majority getting into your absolute most ripped condition is not going to be pretty on your face you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but isn't it like fun to wake up every day and see it get leaner and leaner yeah it's like a battle it's like a you know what i mean it's it's like you're wearing a medal or something like sure oh yeah especially when you know other people are doing the show and you're like oh their face isn't drawn in like mine is oh (laughs) it is like i don't know it's just something about it yeah now going back to the compound question as far as the compounds i mean what compounds to use if it's specifically prep. I am a big, I'm, and I'm old school, pretty predictable. Testosterone, there always has to be testosterone there. You can play with the ratios because everybody's a little different. But I'm a big EQ fan. EQ, all right. Starting with like, uh, and, and some people are not for this, but I start with MPP and I switch to trend. And I do not like any other trends other than trend acetate. I, I don't, this is me personally, and I've seen it with not a ton of clients, but enough that most people don't respond to tre- trend hex and trend enanthate like they respond to trend acetate. And that comes back to whether it's an ester issue or what, I don't know. But if I change from trend hex to trend acetate, the fucking changes will be dramatic over the next three to four weeks. So I'm, I'm a f- more fan of acetate. And Nate said it earlier. I don't know, and I hate to make black and white rules, but if you're not running trend acetate in your pre- or a trend in your prep cycle, I mean, are you really a you know? Do you really bodybuild, bro? I, I mean, <laughs> there's just you're leaving out such, in my opinion. I understand people may want to leave it out because they think it's harsh. They don't, you know. There's that. That's another topic that we could discuss for an an hour. Whether it, it is harsh, it isn't harsh. How bad it is versus what we thought it was 20 years ago. Uh, you know, when we were making pond scum in our closets, but it almost, it, to me, it almost has to be in there unless you just have this, this anxiety or this concern and believe that it's bad. And if you believe something is bad and something is unhealthy, whether it's clen, whether it's insulin, whether it's trend, no matter what it is, 
you should not use it. You need to be 100% comfortable, I think, with what you're doing. And that brings me to the last point, which is I always laugh and say, are you, are you really a competitor if you don't push your liver to the max the last two to three weeks by throwing in halitestin oh, yeah. or, you know, just really throwing those values through. And I ended up pulling, I ended up stopping doing that years ago to see if there was a difference. And I personally did not notice a difference. Other people say they do. Some, some people say they don't. And difference in liver it. values or difference in the look? No, difference in, in look, leaving like halitestin out. I didn't gain anything from using it other than it just, and my wife, if she were sitting here, would agree with me. I am pretty easy to get along with in preps. I don't know if it's because I've done it for a long time. I don't know why. Up until I get really exhausted about one to two weeks out, and then all I do is I become quiet. I don't turn into an asshole. I'm not shitty, that sort of thing. But goddamn on halitestin. Holy. It was like it took my personality, wadded it up in a ball, and threw it in the fucking toilet, and someone else took over because I was so irritable on that shit. And it's not like I've done two, you know, did two shows. It's, I competed for quite a while, and the difference was night and day. I, I can take Anadrol, and it's not even a big, but Halitestin, fuck that shit. No, just no. So it, let me ask you guys this. Is it safe to say that in a few weeks at Nationals backstage that every heavyweight and a, we'll say every bodybuilder, really, every bodybuilder is on trend? Yeah, almost, almost, I, I would say 99% because there are, are a few people that like, you know, they get into prayer. They, they just know from their past experience, like maybe they fucking tried to run somebody off the road and they're like, oh, shit, like I can't do that. You know, yeah. or maybe they thought about taking a swing at the wife, but they, when they normally don't do that kind of stuff. Skip um, that one person. I never did that. My wife would kick my ass. Yeah. Not when I was, she would. If you know anything about my wife, my wife would I, I my life it. if I ever did that. But I'll tell you, the one person who doesn't take trend at a show at a national level show is not allowed to by their wife or spouse. That is yeah. about the only fucking reason at that right. level. You're not going to take it or they're going to leave your ass. So maybe their wives don't even know it. And that trend, their fucking trend supplies yeah. at their friend's house or in a storage unit, but yeah. they are not keeping it in their fucking house. <laughs> well, you know, speak, speaking about trend also too, like people, let's say people say like, Oh, I can't use this particular compound. Let's just say it's trend. Cause I've had examples of this where someone's like, Oh, I just can't use trend. I know I can't because of the reasons that we're talking about. And I'm like, well, what doses were you on? And they're like, Oh, I started out at 500 milligrams of, of ACE a week. And I'm like, ding, ding, Dude, that's ding. more than I've ever taken in my life. Like, yeah. okay, let's do this. Let's try 300 and see how you do. If you still feel something's off, let's move it down to 150 to 200. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is let's go back to like the guys back in like the, the 90s that were using like the parabol and uh, uh, ampules. That was what, 70, 76 Six. milligrams, yeah. right? And they were doing like two of those a week. So it's basically 150 megs a week that they were doing. And, yeah. you know, actually, I, I was just watching a video of, uh, of Dorian, and I assume he was probably from that crew that was that was using the parabol and amps. He was pretty darn hard and grainy and and every bit is dry and you know what I mean? Like, so I think maybe we're abusing compounds yes. a little bit too much in particular. I've, and I think the answer is always, you know, if, if a compound's not working for you, cut it in half and see, see if you can still get some results out of it. I have like, seen the exact same thing with Clen. I've had people tell me like, Oh, I, I can't, you know, I've used Clen in the past. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I said, well, how did you take it? And then they used a lot more than I would have suggested. And I've had people where it's like, if we want to be really careful, dude, if you have a diet that's working 
and you add in 10 micrograms of clen, like you're already making progress and it, like 10 micrograms is nothing, right? But if you're to add in 10 oh. micrograms, I've seen it make a difference. Like, okay, yeah, you look a little bit drier now and that you're probably gonna be a little bit better off than you would have been otherwise. And before you know it, they can handle, they realize they can handle 20, no problem. And I really do believe, you know, that you can get a lot out of a lot less. I think the key is, Andrew, is that everything you're talking about is you had everything else nailed first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like maybe somebody felt like they needed 500 trend because, well, that's what they read off the message boards, but also maybe their diet was a wasn't previous in... coach. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In some cases, I think it's like guys that are just, you know, they don't have everything like you could really, you could, you know, you can get into incredible shape without the drugs. Right. I mean, like we know that the diet is the foundation and that that stuff is going to just push it further. So I, I totally agree that you don't, I did have, I did have one, I, I don't want to, I don't want to out him, but a very successful guy is the guy who turned pro. He didn't use it this year, but he's also, well, that's more of a claim to fame then. Like yeah, he should be, he should be bragging about that. Yeah. It, it was an experience level thing. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Some people, and I've seen that before, where there's, and that was classic, right? So it's not like he's a super, you know, who's you know who been doing this trend? for a decade. Who's that? John Meadows. You're kidding me. His last, the last two seasons he competed, he didn't use it. He got so nasty looking on the in those shows. If people too. And actually he was not understood on how how few drugs he took and how little compound like how much he used like they yeah. wouldn't believe him you know like mm -hmm. I, I spent a week with him at his house and i'd watch him take his stuff it, it was nothing like it, it was less than any of us took in our first cycle basically you're kidding me that way i i swear to god i swear to god i ran through this though with phil heath back in the day and I, it was back in the message boards and no one no one will believe you even though you're standing there and you know and you have firsthand information it just does they just they're not going to yeah. listen listen to it and going back to the car analogy i think and this is more related to Clan. Well, it's related to everything when it comes to drugs, because Scott, you said, you know, some people just don't, you know, they were eat. the diet is the, the, the core and the training, everything else, as much as we know that again, going back to the car analogy, if you show up with a stock CTSV, you're already ahead of the game without any mods. So unfortunately the rest of us have to mod the fuck out of our, <laughs> our vehicles <laughs> yeah. to try to, you know, essentially compete and to keep up and try to cross the finish line slightly ahead of the other one. So it, I like what you say. And I, and I do believe that it is the core, but I'm just, I think we can all agree though, that it, would you guys I'm, I'm going to, I'm going yeah, to, you know what I, I mean? Figured. Would you, yeah, would you agree just, that like two guys could be in shape, but you can tell the guy that's using the trend. It's just a different look. Well, here's my thought. Here's my thought, though, is that it's not the look that's creating it. So, it, you know, the, and, and this is what I mean by like the 500 trend versus 200 trend. If you already take that guy, you get him absolutely peeled. You get him looking like this guy. By the way, was this was this in that that end the, of competing era? That was, I think, right before he got his pro card. Oh, okay. I think it's one of the most retarded. Yeah. conditions I've seen on someone and not even just on John. Clearly, I thought it was the best I've ever seen him in one single shot. Yeah. But that condition is just so otherworldly. Um, guys, the freakiest thing like was being in the like I went up to his hotel room between the Arnold Classic, which, he, you know, yeah, he had to still make the 212 for that. And I, I can't even describe like I don't know what I was looking at. Like his skin was so friggin thin that 
Yeah. It, it just blew my mind. Like I've so never seen someone if look you like can, that almost. If you can achieve that, right, then you add the 200 train in like you didn't need the 500 that's what my point was it was that yeah. it was oh, not yeah. that like ah you don't need to use trend you can do this anybody can do this i had a guy who did it this year and turned pro that's not like what i'm trying to say yeah. i guess what i'm saying is like if you reevaluate it's like well we don't need the trend to get you here we need the diet to get you here and then a little bit is going to push you to that next level. You know what I mean, Skip? That's what I was. That's what I was. No, and I completely agree. I just know that there are listeners and viewers who are going right now while we're talking. They're listening to half of what we're saying because they're going, "Well, I'm not fucking John Meadows." Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean. So you're right. I'm not trying to take anything away from what you're saying, other than to say, there's people just don't process that type of information. You know, here's an example. I have a cl- I have had several clients. I'm sure you guys have. This is something I think that listeners can process better. When it comes to trend, you can have every other fucking variable stay constant. The diet doesn't change, and they're kind of at a plateau. Add a even low dose trend and watch them get leaner and harder, and their visual will change weekly for at least the next two to three weeks. That is the type of power, though, that that compound has so if you can go low dose and i do believe this if you go low dose like we're talking about two or three hundred you know uh uh, say two or three mil a week that's going to give you probably and i'm using arbitrary numbers to make my point 80 percent of what maybe even 90 percent of what you're going to get out of what if you want that extra 10 to 20 percent by going up with the dose again you're getting so much more clen is the same way when you keep those dosages low, you're getting roughly 90%. You go yeah. higher, you're pushing the dose higher, significantly higher. So the cost to benefit isn't what people think. But how do we process shit as bodybuilders? More protein, more cardio, more training, more uh, pain, you know, more starving, more drugs, more. It's more of a when in doubt, add more. That is unfortunately our mentality. And it, it's the harder work harder versus smarter type shit. And we can get into that forever and ever. But the point is those lower dosages work so incredibly well that pushing them up to ridiculous dosages to gain another five or 10%, it's just the cost to benefit is not there the very large majority of the time. Agreed. Got a question we could throw in here. So when we're talking about building this cycle, uh, Gerald says, uh, is there hard science on what works best together in concert or is it best uh, for an individual to cautiously determine it for themselves? There's definitely not hard science. There's been no research studies on combining test trend, master on, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's, but I think it's all collectively anecdotally, I guess not science, but what, what do they call it? bro science? Or, I mean, it, it's the collective view of, you know, I, I would, I would assume that if you surveyed the majority of coaches and high level bodybuilders out there, their ideas for ranges of, of doses would probably fall within a certain category. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, like no one's saying go and take three grams of trend and three grams of test leading into your show. If there might be some coach out there that's doing it and, and having his athletes do that, I tell them, you know, don't stay with that guy too long. But, uh, but then there's also probably maybe only a few coaches that are like, Oh, you only need 50 milligrams a week of this and that. Right. Yeah. So my point is that there's normal ranges that I think we can all agree on for things and to, to, to elicit 
results. And, you know, like Skip was talking about the cost of benefit analysis, I think it's very important to keep that in mind. Because, you know, if you're, if you're taking, we're, we're talking about trend, if you're taking your trend dose too high, and you're getting the, the famed, you know, trendsomnia, and you're not sleeping, you're sleeping three hours a night, you know, I, I think the negative effect of that, you're gonna have a tired physique, you're not going to be able to get most out of your training, you're not, gonna yeah. be able, your insulin sensitivity is going to fall. So your body's not going to react to nutrition properly. I mean, there's just so many other factors. But, but that's just one example. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you say we guys uh, we move on here because I know we've got some other topics. I know some guys have some questions here. Um, okay, so the the next topic is going to be best quad exercise. But while we're still kind of we're, we're talking about prep, really, let's go to Nate because this is fucking ridiculous, man. I'm going to bring this picture back up. Okay, here's my analysis. This is the freshest you have ever looked like this is such a fresh round your shape looks really cool your waist look like i can't remember like i haven't seen you posting pictures like i haven't i haven't been following social media really close lately but i saw all your pictures from last year and now i'm like man his skin looks so good i feel like your waist looks smaller even i don't know why but it does look that way to me and your your balance looks really nice everything looks really round uh I want to hear from you guys and, and hear what this prep has been like. Stucky. Sorry, my dog. I, I got to know what that is. <laughs> I thought that was a squeaky, squeaky wheel toy. on somebody's chair. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it, it's very rare. I mean, most bodybuilders, most bodybuilders are very critical of themselves and, you know, myself included. So to look at, this, these pictures and sort of where I'm at right now is uh, it feels really good. You know, I think the improvements are pretty drastic compared to last year. Um, we'll, we'll be five pounds up, which isn't like a, a ton of muscle, but I mean, it looks obviously much more drastic, right? So, I mean, that's the goal. Um, so I think, you know, my waist uh, looks smaller because like I'm broader, you know, my arms are bigger, my quads are bigger, obviously, um, which is a huge focus uh, for myself this off season. Uh, and I think it's just, um, I think this, this last off season, I just got really every year. I feel like I've gotten a little smarter with my training, hmm. but I think I've just really sort of tapped into not necessarily before I would sort of be like, okay, like bang my head against the wall and just recover. Right. So now I feel like I have a little more intent, um, more like methodical of my reasonings for my training. Um, Whereas before I was just like, okay, I just want to destroy myself, you know what I mean? And then I'll recover and see what, you know what I mean? And grow from there. Um, so I think that made a huge difference. Um, it's hard cause there's a lot of variables, you know, that can come into play. Sure. Um, but I mean, definitely this off season was pretty crazy cause I think our food only got up to like 5,300 calories, but I felt like I was processing it huh. like, uh, very efficiently, um, which makes a huge difference, like digestion and all that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, we've all been there where we're pushing, copious amounts of food but it feels like it's not really going anywhere right <clears throat> so i think that was a huge difference for me because you know there's guys that are you know 180 190 pounds trying to grow eating six thousand calories i'm over here you know and they're not growing and i'm you know growing off of 52 5300 calories and you know i didn't feel like it was a lot of food but i didn't feel like i was tapped out you know what i mean so i think that's just my you know looking back at that as saying that you know everything was being sort of utilized efficiently right that's um, cool <clears throat> 
What do you think, Andrew? We, we, we only, uh, I think we only pulled your food back like once, right? During the off season. Where yeah. Do you do like yeah, two, two or three guys. days of like, this is, I'll give a little tip out that I do with people. I mean, it's not rocket science, but when someone's just, you know, they're five, 6,000 calories and they're pounding food and they're like, they wake up the next day and they're like, I just can't even eat breakfast. Then my answer is don't eat breakfast. Like cut it down to two to three meals for two to three days. And then once you, you know, you got a grip back on it, then go back to your normal eating. And a lot of times people are scared to like, oh, I'm going to lose the weight though. Cause I, when I first started doing this a couple of years ago, I was very scared. I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose three or four pounds and I'm starting over again. Yeah. I'm telling you what, you lose like a pound of water really. And mm. your digestion gets back in control. Um, you're hungry again for your meals and yeah. oh, look a week later, you're actually up two pounds and you're continuing to progress and you're hungry and you're training. And so it's, it's very important that, you know, mm. in, I think because we're, when we're younger, we just hear like cram food, like seafood, like in oh, off season, yeah. you need, don't miss a meal. But you know what? Strategically, if you miss meals the, the right way, you can actually, it's like taking one step uh, backwards, take two steps forward. So hmm. we did use that with Nate, I think once or twice, but yeah. we get to get to his physique. I think, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I thought he's nabbed a card in the last two years. So, you know, I'm a little biased, but. And, but so did a lot of other people, including judges, because they had him in third place at nationals. So, uh, but the biggest thing I see, obviously, the same thing you guys are seeing: quads and biceps, uh, arms in general, really came up. The waist looks like it's just naturally small. Now. Yeah, um, it's very rare for a super heavyweight to actually improve his structure as he gets bigger hmm. and puts on more muscle. I think we see a lot of guys put on a shit ton of muscle, but their waistlines get just as big. So, yeah, like a, there's a trade-off there. Nate's become a, a lot more aesthetic in this process. So you I would know, agree. I, I think if you, yeah, if you look at his front double now versus front double in 2016, you'd be like, holy shit, he's got like 40 pounds more muscle, but his waist looks a lot smaller too. So yeah, I think all the right things are happening. You know, we got three <clears> weeks to dial it in and I think we're right on pace for his, I know, I know he's going to be the best showing yet, but I think we're right on pace to really, you know, really just, just light it up. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, this will come out about two weeks before the show. Um, and, and, and you know, let's let's not forget too. Like, you had a lot of competition this this that past year. I mean, okay. there were some incredible guys that you were standing next to there, and I felt like, man, I I really wanted to see it happen. And and I mean, you looked so good. But it's like, I, I do. I see. I. I don't. I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm just not going to say more. I'm not. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know what I mean. We're definitely going to bring our best. Definitely yeah. going to be the best thing you're ever going to see on stage. So that's fucking cool. Let's let's use this as a segue then, and and talk about quads because you mentioned bringing legs up, and I know that was something that that you had wanted to do, Nate. Can you talk to us as we segue into our topic, our next topic, which is best quad exercise. Hey, what's going on guys? I'm going to take a brief moment to shout out our sponsors. I'll make it quick, but this stuff's super important because it's our sponsors that help to make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you shopping with our sponsors, we wouldn't be here either. You can support our programming by shopping with truenutrition.com. They're our title sponsor. They've supported us for a number of years. They have awesome health and performance supplements. You can ask Skip, or Dusty or Scott Stevenson, all about True Nutrition, and they'll tell you how good of a company they are. Hardcore bodybuilders have trusted them for over 15 years now. Use our code THINK, you'll get some savings, you'll support our programming. If you're in Canada, you can shop with supplementsource.ca. They have highly discounted supplements, discounts on bulk orders, and free shipping over $99. Check them out. 
And finally, you can directly support our programming on Patreon. I'll have links below for Patreon and everything else. We're taking more questions over there, and I appreciate everybody who's already helping to directly support our programming through our Patreon. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me. Let's get back to the show, which, you know, once again, we're just going with like the quote unquote best. Um, yeah. If we were to ask you this year, what has been the best quad exercise for you? Um, believe it or not, I think, uh, so I never really liked the leg press before and I actually got really good at, um, using it, I guess, um, like less hip, you know what I mean? And, um, so for me this year, the biggest, I think key was creating a better range of motion on my, you know, presses and squatting movements. Um, so I really started getting much deeper because, you know, I Hmm. was talking to some people and, you know, their sort of ideas were like, you know, if you can get in it to a deeper stretch, you're going to activate more quad, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, I really took that home because I would like, so for me, I was, you know, hack squatting eight plates or whatever, you know, 10 to 12 reps and, you know, really just going balls out for the past two or three years. But I really didn't notice, you know, much progress, I guess you'd say. So I really went back to the drawing board and said, okay, like I got to try something different instead of just you know, training all out. Um, so the first thing I changed was my range of motion. So I started using the wedge on the Smith, uh, squat. So that's a really, I really like that. That's a favorite one for me. Um, and then like the hack squat, obviously. So for me, I found exercises that I can hit that range of motion. So for me, a free bar squat, I can't hit that range of motion. So I don't free bar squat now. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying don't free bar squat because I think it's crucial for like the beginning years of someone's lifting. Um, but for me, you know, one of my gyms has a pendulum squat that I really love. I can just bury that thing. You know what I mean? So I feel like my whole quad is getting engaged and I feel like it really helped my sweep too, um, to get that deep. Um, the problem was, you know, I felt like my strength, it was a mental aspect because I felt like I wasn't as strong because you're obviously moving like two or three inches deeper and obviously the gravity changes. Right. So, um, so that came into play. And then also I really was honest with myself and said, am I really training hard enough? Meaning, um, I felt like I could get, uh, so I was training quads once, uh, once a week. And so what I started doing was training quads twice a week not straight up, but like, you know, have a one all out quad day and then one day where it was like hamstrings and then like maybe two or three quad movements at the end. Yeah. And so for me, I was always worried like, Oh, am I going to overtrain my legs? But I felt I trained hard, but I don't think I trained hard enough where I wouldn't be able to recover from that. Hmm. So I think a lot of guys, they get into this thing where, Oh, well, Dorian trained four days a week or whatever, you know what I mean? Which is great. But you train as hard as Dorian and you have a partner there you know, making you go to past failure and beyond, you know what I mean? And I honestly don't feel like I train to failure and beyond. I think I train like one rep in the tank, you know, maybe I might hit failure every now and then. Hmm. So that's just me being my honest with myself and then going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, I could probably recover from training my quads twice a week and getting more frequency. So increased frequency. And then obviously my range of motion, uh, improved so much more. And I think that made a, a big difference. And then obviously for me, I try to, a lot of guys on my Instagram, I try to pass along, you know, changing up their stance. I think people get too married with 
the close stance. I got to hit my outer sweep. And I think I noticed a big difference when I started going a little bit wider. My knees were out, toes out, and it still act, it still hit the outside of the quad. So I think a lot of these guys are like, oh, quad sweep, quad sweep, quad sweep, and they forget about all the other part of the leg. You know, and I think if you, you know, so like a leg press, I really like going a little bit wider, sort of like a sumo stance, and I just feel like it hits my whole my whole leg, you know what I mean? So I think that really helped because not just my quad sweep, but I feel like my inside of my leg thickened up a little bit too. So I, I want to turn it over to uh, Andrew and Skip on this, but I, I got to ask one question. So you said that you you had to evaluate your training and that you realized that you were you you train with about like one rep left in the tank and i and this is i want to ask you this to almost possibly i i think i know what the answer is so i'm trying to illustrate something to the audience do you was there a time when you would have said no i don't have any reps left like before that in the past because i know you train hard yeah oh 100 percent. there was definitely times where i'm like yeah i did everything i could you know what i mean but i think you know the more you can be honest with yourself and look at yourself it's like it did i really now what when right? like how far up are we talking are we talking like even last year would you have said looking reflecting back at your training of last year would you say that you you now recognize that you you maybe didn't hit that absolute failure like you thought you had. Yeah, I would say so. That says a lot, man. That says a lot because yeah. we're talking about an advanced. It, it, it illustrates, <clears throat> I guess, that we are always redefining, you know, like what what failure is, and to be able to have, I think, the humility to recognize that at the level you are. I mean, I I just think that. Well, we all should be reevaluating in that case. Well, yeah, already being known, known as a hard trainer. What's that? Right? Like already being as already being known as a hard trainer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's that's the bigger thing to take home here. Like exactly. Someone who already that other people be when they think of hard trainers, they think of Nate. There and then Nate's sitting here be like, "Well, I reevaluated that I really wasn't training to one hundred percent." Thank you for clarifying that. Exactly. That's what I was that trying to sense? get at. Yeah. 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 So it's like, then if Nate can say that, then I think every single one of us listening and can absolutely take a reevaluation. Yeah. Well, I think it's too, is setting your ego aside. So another thing I used was my rep scheme. So I talked to actually Dave Callick and he helped me a little bit too. He's like, oh, okay, cool. like every rep, just keep it like a piston, like, but like come up like three quarters of a way. Don't walk out. Yeah. So that continuous motion, you know what I mean? So I got really good at that too. So if you look at a lot of my reps from the off season, like say on a hack squat, they're pretty much almost perfect. You know what I mean? Every single one of them. Um, so I just think it's just cre- recruiting more activation there. That's cool. First rep should look like the last rep. I have said that a million times over. And I think that that you touch on some really good and we're kind of getting off, of, but it's good information. So I don't really want to pull it back in, but we're getting off the topic a little bit, but for good reason, you're bringing up things, Nate, that, that prove you know, we, we went into this topic as kind of what exercise, but yeah. it's not that simple, even though we still want to stay with that format because people like those things. It, there's there's easy so to many title variables. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many variables involved. And, you know, just like you're saying, you're getting into uh, obviously foot position and stance and now tempo of reps 
and not locking out and you're making essentially we're all trying to or should be trying to make the set harder instead of moving a weight from point a to point b i always tell my clients we're using the weight not necessarily lifting it from point a to point b there's a there's a process here so all those things are so so critical in coming into the reps in the tank we've touched on this topic a, a few times over this last year and i know myself i let me ask you guys this this is sum it up better we're i think we're graded not only on our physiques but now with social media we're graded on how hard we train so hmm. we're not going to admit we we all think we train you know hard and that is part of we're being judged on that as well so to be able especially when you don't have the physique we're not at nate spears level well uh, scott mcnally and i aren't <laughs> and and most of the listeners aren't so we want to be graded we're not being graded on how Speak great our yourself. physique is so we we Speak want yourself, exactly <laughs> we want to be known as training balls out i've said a million times over i want to outwork everybody in the gym that day but that mentality has also taken me to the point of being overtrained more frequently than not. Huh. So to touch on, I recently, very recently, within the last few months, I've gone, I'm blasting only two weeks and cruising one week. And people think it was fucking insane. Like, oh my God, how are you going to? And yet, not only do my joints feel better and everything feels great, but I'm, I'm growing more consistently and putting up better numbers. So that cuts to the whole uh, recovery issue. It might not exactly be reps in a tank. Part of it is I am pulling back on that too. But it's very difficult to do. This isn't a, we all want the black and white answers. The listeners and the viewers want those black and white answers. But this it was one more thing that proves that there aren't black and white answers. And it's why guys like us who are prep guys and, and trainers, well, we're always going to be employed for that reason. Because if science told us exactly how to do everything, there would be no fucking trainers. We would all know what to do. We would read it online and we would all do the same shit from gear to training to nutrition. And we'd all be fucking great. And clearly that is not the case. I am not Nate. I am not, I'm not any of you. Matter of fact, I'm probably would take fourth in a contest, a distant fourth in a contest. If all four of us were to step on stage, that is not a very comfortable position for me, by the way. And I'll leave it at that. Well, you'd win the 50 plus class. I'll tell you that. That is, that might be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uncontested. No, I, I, I can't agree with you more, Skip, because it's so hard because we talk about like intensity, hard training, but then we also talk about, well, what's the absolute most effective thing for your growth and for your physique. And when you get on stage, the judges don't have a card that says, oh, he fucking trained his ass off this year and he did this or the judges, all they do is they judge your physique. So yeah. I, I hear what you're saying about, and I think also that comes with age. Like we know that recovery slows down as you get older. We know that injuries pile up when you redline it in, in certain exercises. So and I also like I, I think I keep thinking back to this as we're talking because I was watching a Dorian Yates video. Dorian had um, the crazy guy training with him. What's his name? Um, Leroy. Leroy. Was it Leroy? Yeah. So if you notice almost every single rep that they were doing together, like the last two reps that Dorian was doing was completely forced reps that Leroy was doing like 70 percent on. Did, did, did yeah. you guys notice like he was doing I was, I was watching him today he was doing like a pull down and like he got like six or seven on his own and then Leroy would like jump on the machine and like use his body weight <laughs> to like pull it down 
And then the same thing on the, uh, the pullover machine, he was finishing like the last two or three reps for him. So I guess the, the, the question I'm asking is, well, what is failure then? Is failure when you get those forced reps and someone's doing 60, 70% for you? Or is failure when you no longer are able to move the weight effectively a full range of motion? And it's a difficult one to answer. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. And I think we would all have different because, yeah, because I want to call failure when you can't on your own finish a rep, you're basically at failure. But if you're training with partial reps, three quarter reps, can you, you know, then the question, it it goes further. Then you can, you know, that if you take a couple breaths or you take, say, five seconds at the top, you can get another rep. Well, what if you stand there for 15 or 20 seconds and you get, but you haven't racked it. So are you to failure yet? What is that limit? That's the, that's just one of a myriad of these gray areas that can't, we can't assess. We don't know. Is it better to sit there and, and can you rest for 30 seconds? You're still all, I mean, you're still, muscles are contracted. Muscles are supported. Secondary, you know, your stabilizers, everything else. are. Do you? I think you go like Nate was saying, the piston reps, and you don't stop until if you have to take a breath or you need to rest, you don't stop until you're not going to get another one. And if you can't get another one, you get a couple breaths, you get your ass back in there and you go. But everybody's going to have a different definition of that. Yeah, like you're saying, okay, like two or three breaths or seven to 10 breaths, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Like if you're at the top of a hack squat and you're like, and then you get back to it versus mm-hmm. 10 of those yeah, like, yeah at that point it's almost a rest pause set right <laughs> yeah, so exactly. which which, which I, what i'm getting at with that is that now you're getting into more like intensity techniques right, right. And, and i'm including the forced reps as one of those and i'm including the partial reps or the you know the static holds or any of those techniques that we can use at different times to you know elicit whether you know metabolic or more contractile work but i guess it, it's such an uh an up in the air question and, and an up in the air answer that many of us, a lot of us, I think we know when we train hard, like we know when we're training hard, we know when we've been able to string, you know, weeks of really good, hard training together. And we know when, you know what, we kind of crapped the bed a little bit today, but whatever, you know, yeah. I, I think the important thing is like when you're serious, you got to string more and more of those really good, hard weeks together. Uh, if you want to be successful at this stuff. Mm-hmm. Scott yeah. Stevenson's with us. You can feel if you can't feel the presence, you, Scott Stevenson's with us. <laughs> I saw, I saw him say that. I felt it. He says there's evolutional failure and there's beyond failure forced reps. What Ken said, Ken, aka Skip, uh, <laughs> continuous sets, standardized execution. So failure is the same regardless of the rests taken. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's important. The standardization. And, you know, because I, I, I would even say, and we're getting off of quads here, but it's something I, I know I recently explained to a couple of people because I was thinking about like, well, what's the value of pulling the bar all the way down on your pull down? One of the values is that, you know, you pulled it to the same spot every time, you know, and yeah. that way, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a marker. I think that's good. You guys want to tackle a couple questions because I don't, I don't think we're going to come up with a best uh, a best well, I set. Will, I, I will say that the exercise. most probably underutilized quad exercises is like lunges. Huh. I feel like a lot of people don't really do them anymore, or as much as I used to see them, and I do them religiously. And I think they're great for quads and sort of under 
you know, valued, I'd say. Parking lot lunges, you doing those, Nate? Yeah, exactly. Ronnie Coleman, lightweight baby. We 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 got like six <laughs> inches of snow right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would, I, I, to Nate's point, I do think that I, I really do like all leg workouts to have some single leg component, whether it be a walking lunge, a Bulgarian split squat, or a, a Smith split squat, or even a single leg. Um, I love that horizontal hammer strength um, single oh, yeah. leg leg press. Okay. I, I love that. Oh thing. yeah. But I do think there's a lot of benefit to single leg exercises and the one Nate's talking about even more so because there's so much more stabilization involved when you're when you're walking traveling with weight yep I'm a one-legged angle leg press guy with that has the platform split going alternating left right like you would do dumbbell curls left right love that but if I have to go with one I'm going with hacks I just and now you said quads not legs so if if I need a quad hacks slash pendulum the pendulum might even be more effective, but uh, hacks have been around lo- a lot longer, so it's GH versus peptides. <laughs> <laughs> you know, try, that's true. That's such a good analogy, dude. I feel yeah. like I would be less likely. Like if we had to pick, like you could only have one quad exercise for the next year or something like that. I would probably be better with pendulum than hack because even if my lower back felt funky, mm-hmm. hack squats could mess my back up sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. pendulum squat, it feels like it takes my back out of it. Right. And back to the back to the gray area. Then you have to now differentiate this year with how are you doing your hacks? Do you have a you know four inch pad below? Are you basically turning into what I call a high angled hack? Um, there's there you know where you're bent forward a little bit, things like that. And I'm not knocking it as much as there are just more and more variations of yeah. everything. How many, every how, many, how many bands are you guys using on the hack? Yeah, even exactly. the, even the gym you go to, like which machine they particularly have, because there's that's the one. And I think we've talked about this before. Hack squats, like one of the exercises that I might cut out of my workout if I went to a gym that had a bad. Like I could work around a bad leg press, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just put my feet like this, and you know, whatever, and it'll make it. You know, I'll make uh-huh. it work. Bad you hack squat. Leg press. Me and Nate used. Uh, yeah. The thing we used to go to. The thing would like grind against the, uh, the, the columns, like the normal yeah. force plus the weight of the chassis would come on. Like you were doing, like you'd have like a thousand on there, but it'd be at least like twelve hundred just from the uh, yeah. kinetic friction or, or uh, yeah, just the friction you were yeah. developing. Okay. There's so much drag. You can go get a drink at the water fountain on the way down and come back and get it in the bottom position and take it back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I'll jump to a couple questions here. Let's see. So um, what do we got in the feed here? I saw one I wanted to put up here. This is from Nick Ficolo. He says, um, can you get too lean for a show? says i got a gym owner say uh that to me today he said i get too lean um he said i just told him that you could never be too lean this is a guy that i work with i think it's a good question i'm wondering well, what are you guys are saying think. like did you lose did, did you diet off a lot of muscle right like, or, or are we saying like is someone too low of body fat on well, my first thought is my first thought is it's from the gym owner, so he's probably. I'm just assuming that he's probably like one of those guys that's like, "Oh yeah, bro, you're too lean." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is you know what I mean, I think but I think right. I think definitely not too lean, but there's definitely guys that are more prone to disappear, you know, as they diet, and you have to be a little bit more on top of your game as far as you just can't straight diet them through the whole prep. You know what yeah. I mean? Because then they end up losing like you know all of a sudden they're like 
they started they were like lean 220 and they're like 160 and you're like how the fuck did this you know i mean this kid disappeared on me you know i've seen it happen before with other people and wouldn't you you say your first diet nate that you did what's that wouldn't you say wouldn't you say the first diet you did um when you did the natty show (laughs) like before i met you oh yeah because like, didn't you say you like over diet? You're eating literally just tuna and like spinach or something. Yeah, like that? I was literally eating tuna and like <laughs> mustard, like lettuce. <laughs> I think that's that a comment. You get that from people. I think in the gym, he he mentioned it was a gym owner. I feel like yeah. that's a comment you get from people that aren't actually seeing you on stage yeah, they, because you can look so impressive at, you know, 10 weeks out in a tank top or, you know, whatever, and you're walking around and then people are like, you, cause even like, you know, okay. So me as a light heavyweight, I can look much more impressive, like walking around on the streets in my off season. And then I'll get down to like an actual diet at 199 and people are like, ah, man, did you stop lifting or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Can Um, can I actually point out too, I think women get this way worse than guys do too. Um, what do you with mean? People giving people oh, giving unsolicited. Oh, you're getting too lean, or yeah. or you're getting too big. Even like like you're putting on too much. Like I've got several female clients that are that'll send me the DMs that they get from guys like who are just kind of armchair quarterbacking it. Yeah. What, uh, what are the, what do they call it? The, the mansplaining thing or whatever. Like where they they're like, well, you see, the judges aren't going to like that. And then I'll she'll, I'll look up the profile, of the person that's telling her this stuff. And they've never even done a show. They've never yeah, even like yeah. from the pictures. They've never even gotten lean. And I'm like, why are you listening to this person? Like, why even why are you bringing this to my attention? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think those guys are saying that though, based on their own preference of what they find attractive, and and that's not fair because this sport has nothing to do with what you find attractive right. or who you want to see naked. I always laugh and say the hottest chicks on stage to me are taken. You know, in our, they're in figure bikini and they're taking fifth, sixth, seventh place. Yeah. They're not fat, <laughs> but they're not shredded and they're not tiny. And I just look and go, oh, you're fucking hanging. <laughs> you look really good. And that's coming back to what I was saying earlier. It, it, what I said, the reason I felt uncomfortable is because it's kind of a sexist thing to say. That's why I was trying yeah. to emphasize I was focused on my wife. But we all do it because we can see someone and go, oh, man, they look that, that chick is banging. She looks perfect. And then as they get closer to a show, you're like, oh, no, she's too lean. I'm not going to sleep with her. Bitch, she wasn't going to sleep with me anyway. So it doesn't <laughs> really matter. Or I say, gosh, I don't you know. You say something stupid. Guys say dumb shit all the time. Oh, I don't want I don't want to see that naked. She'd throw me around. With, no, that's just fucked up shit. But those are our preferences based on what we might find attractive. And that has nothing to do with the stage. So coming back to the question about whether you can be, you can't be too fucking lean. That's no. silly to even say, but you can be over dieted. And if you're giving up muscle to get there and some guys have to, you guys have seen this. I battled with it. The older I, the older I get, I still battle with it. I can be ready from the front, but 10 pounds off from the back. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so then you have to make that decision. You know, what do I do? Well, obviously you got to get leaner. Shelby says it right. You're only as lean as your worst body part or your fattest, you know, area on your body. So, but in doing that, some people really do give up a total, like a, their total package, how they look 
when they have to get leaner because there are trouble spots. And a lot of times that's the difference between an amateur and a pro. That's Pros tend to carry their body fat more evenly, not only head to toe, but front to back as well. Not always, but much more common and much more frequent than the amateur. If you're fighting and you got to lose another, I'm a good example. I'm not pro material because if I'm ready from the front and I still have 10 to 12 pounds from the back, I'm probably not going to be chasing a pro card anytime soon. Those are things that you're just not, that's the difference genetically sometimes that is going to keep you from that higher level of really being successful in the sport. Add to that, like weaker, a weaker body part. Like if you have weaker glutes, like both Nick has had the, the guy who asked the question, he has weaker glutes. I have had weaker glutes. And then you're thinking to yourself like, oh, man, I got to keep pushing. I got to keep pushing to get your glutes to look good. But the reality is you don't have enough tissue to yeah. push through. And I think what about this factor to, to play your strengths? Because we've seen there's plenty of guys who don't have to be absolutely peeled. Guys with like the really great genetic shape. And they just need to be, you know, like lean enough. And maybe there's a balance. You know, we've got what? We've got condition, we've got shape, and we've got size. And, of course, we, we want to have like that balance of all of them. But maybe add fullness and dryness to that, too, because everybody well, I mean, has perfect their perfect example. balance of fullness to dryness. Well, what about John Meadows then? You know, like John Meadows, we wanted to see him like absolutely peeled. And if he didn't take it to that, like that's what his wow factor was or like, you know, like right. a Branch Warren. You want to see Branch Warren like absolutely. Peeled. Well, he's also got that. Cra- he had that crazy mass, too. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like like there is a there is an element like with certain guys like Big Rami. Maybe if you died him down too hard, maybe the fear would be that, well, he's always going to look big. Never mind. But, well, Brandon, Brandon Curry was a perfect example because last year okay. he was pretty much the best condition he's ever been. And they're like, we want you fuller. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I don't know. Just yeah. something to think and about. I mean, the, there's guys, there's guys strength. that like, it's a, the, the problem is it becomes a glute game and some guys chase the yep. glute and they're never going to come in. You know yeah. what I mean? Or right I've done that. Like, at what point do you say, okay, like, you'd be realistic with yourself. I'm not going to get glutes in, but I can just get a little bit of fat off and not sacrifice my look either. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's like playing your strengths. Like my strength is getting conditioned. I know that, you know what I mean? Like that's what we do. Um, And then there's guys that, you know, like when we went up against Ben Rafaelia, his structure and shape, he wasn't the most peeled guy, but you know, that was his sort of, uh, you know, he came in as a super heavyweight opposed to a heavyweight that he did at North Americans, you know, 12 weeks before that. And he looked a lot better as a super, you know what I mean? Because he filled out and got rounder and his structure was bigger, you know, but he wasn't probably leaner. I think the glute gauge for conditioning is um, one of the worst things that has happened to bodybuilding Hmm. from a conditioning standpoint, because it does take pretty good physiques and it ends up, I don't want to say destroying them, but because we're all so focused, it's like, oh, you're not lean enough until your glutes are peeled. And I've had clients say, I just want my glutes peeled. I want my glutes peeled. And that's the only, if you're so focused on the glutes and not the rest of your physique or your physique is an overall total package, you're already approaching this from, from the wrong perspective. Some people, Nate makes a very good point. Some people are just not going to have shredding. You go to Egypt and they got, you know, you can see shredded glutes with lines going through them. And yet you go up five, six inches to their back and their back is not in the condition that their glutes are. That is not a balanced 
physique and that's not balanced condition. The Egyptians tend to have shredded fucking triceps. The outer head of the triceps looks like some outer quads on some guys who are shredded. But yet you get into their back or you get into hips or legs and it doesn't look the same. That is a genetic component that you're not going to everybody cannot diet to the point where they have shredded and feathered outer triceps or glutes it's there there's a huge hereditary component there and it again comes back to the balance of the conditioning and the total package and if we would focus more on total package and what that actually looks like from head to toe and front to back we'd have a lot sharper physiques hmm. than than over dieted guys who are still chasing shredded glutes who may never get there or they stand on stage and they're not there yet yeah and you're disappointed for it <laughs> all right well listen i know that we are we're about an hour in now let's wrap this thing up uh for those of you who appreciate the two-hour shows we're not going to do it we're gonna do a short show but then we're gonna have another one so uh with that said i appreciate you guys being here uh i'm i'm honored to have nate spear with us one of the absolute best guys in the npc Along with uh, Andrew Barry, great coach, and Skip Hill, fantastic. Yeah, Skip Hill. Okay, okay, human being. Okay, the token older guy. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate you watching. Uh, check out our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. They've been supporting us for a long time. Uh, of course, check out our Patreon. I'll have links to that as well as True Nutrition and supplementsource.ca for Canadian people. You can get like a couple packs of Effigen for like six bucks. So you should totally do that like right now. Oh,